Well, welcome everybody to this morning's workshop. Uh, I'm gonna be talking about directing a game. And this has been something that's kind of been on my mind, so I'm hopeful to walk you through what I've been thinking, where it came, came about, and kind of what has made sense for me and has really helped me prep my games and run them a little bit smoother. I mean, the last, I don't know, year, I've been consistently having to run essentially two hour games in the morning. And so the idea of being very direct and kind of straightforward and, and controlled with how I run my games has been a very big learning point for me. And so I wanna share some of my experience with everybody as I talk about how I direct my games versus just running them um, to try to get a certain result. But essentially, I wanna just start out with like how this came about and how this came about as a, as a subject. And it really came from the Rig Riot game, which I ran, I don't know, about a month or two ago. And it was a great game in the waste. We were essentially a crew that was coming in. They were, we had worked with uh, Chuck the mechanic and he needed an engine found. And they had been stolen the night before. And so we came in, we decided to help them. It was a souped up, custom engine and so hey we needed to track down and so the first scene was exploring the garage that we found some clues that led us to this biker bar uh, that we had to sneak into and then the, we got into the bar and we had one player uh, who was like arm wrestling the big brute and distracting them while everyone else kind of snuck around and got inside and we found that the engine had put in the truck and that truck uh, we took the truck and it turned into a chase scene through the city and then it crashed into the the rig which was like this oil uh real you know site where they were just like great dugging up all this gasoline and this oil so they could have fuel that lit the rig on fire and eventually they had to like go inside like could run away or they had to go in and stop the fire and they went and did that and so like it was a it was a series of events that was very very methodical and it was just we, we did this, did this, did this, and it just went on and we did it in the two hours. But afterwards, Monomake, one of our players, he reached out and had a couple questions for me. And one of them was specifically about, he, he termed it game directing. And I'll just kind of give you the, the rundown of what his question was. And it said, he asked, given the outcome of the game, I get the feeling that there wasn't really an option for player freedom to move away from those set pieces. Meaning, like, I had everything established so that they would have this chase, they would crash into the rig, the rig would be on fire, they'd have to stop the fire, and that was kind of the end of the story. And so he's kind of calling me out saying, hey, like, you kind of were doing this, like, this was this was always gonna happen, so, um, continued on and said this created a sense of purpose and urgency which kept the game moving forward within the confines you had, ex you had expected he assumed and then he asked how do you go about this without it seeming too heavy-handed and he, he he thought I didn't do it heavy-handed which was a great compliment and a great piece of feedback for me but it did get me thinking how did I do this how did I run this game without being heavy-handed and also be very controlling in, in the environment without like limiting player player agency. So we kind of talked for a second. I, I, I gave my, my feedback and it was essentially along the lines of, we're here to play one shot. I've got limited time. It's part of the agreement. 
and we just have to know that we're here to do this thing we're going to play this game You're, there there's going to be limited freedom because in, in order to get this concise direct game to happen it needs to no one can kind of like dilly dally or mess around in the sandbox and I kind of talked about how I could be more flexible and how it, but overall the the key to this was I was always funneling my players towards towards the next scene. I was always funneling them towards the transition point or the goalpost as I described it. Um, and that, that was a technique that I didn't realize I was doing. So yeah, that was kind of how it came about. Hopefully that all made sense. You can watch the game if you haven't had a chance. It's up on my channel so you can watch it. And then you can kind of pay attention to like, how did I come across as I guided players from scene to scene based off their actions? As I've thought about it, I have some ideas, but let's, I want to stop for a second and talk about a caveat or a principle that I think the community and just the, the tabletop, you know, players at large talk about, which is essentially the ideas of railroad games, railroading, linear games, sandbox games, and kind of the stereotyping understanding of that and how we need to understand those concepts before I can really control a game in a, in a sense. So I want to start out with railroad because that kind of seems to be the most common thing that a lot of people understand. And railroading in and of itself is not bad. It has a very kind of sour connotation or a kind of sour taste for a lot of players because to my understanding, railroading feels like you put players on a track and you essentially force them to do X, Y, and Z, right? You, you eliminate player freedom. They are stuck on this track and they're going exactly where you want them to go, doing exactly what you want them to do. And in a way that's a no-no because you, we're all playing this together, but at the same time, like the struggle, the, the, the struggle is that we're also trying to do a certain thing. As players, as GM, we've sat down at this table with a goal in mind and we're here to do this. On the flip side though, because people, because we, a lot of, a, a lot of people have kind of this hesitancy to, to do this railroading. You end up on a far extreme on the other side, which is that kind of open sandbox where essentially the GM says, you can do anything and everything. Just tell me what you want to do and we'll do it. Like you can go anywhere. You can talk to anyone. You can focus on whatever you want. You, you, you set the mission, you set the, the goals and, and I'm not going to do anything. I'm just, I'm just going to play the world. Right, which is again, there's a good and bad to it. Good because you're giving players freedom. You're, you're not setting um, solutions. You're just presenting problems, and the players get to react to them. But what I find is that on the sandbox side, on that far extreme, you end up without a direction. You don't end up with players who often know, well, what do I do? What do I want to do? And sometimes one player wants to do this. One player wants to do this. You're not sure what is going to happen in the session, so it ends up kind of fizzling because you never know exactly what you're driving towards. And then in the middle, you kind of get this amusement park method, which I've talked about. It's it's common. It's kind of a, a common thing on the shield wall is this amusement park method, which is you kind of have free form options to do what you want in between sessions or like at the beginning of a session. And then as things go on, you have this inciting moment and you enter the water slide or the ride and you're, you're on that ride until it's over. 
and that's kind of in that middle sense and that's where i kind of lay my camp is in this amusement park where players ultimately have freedom until a certain point and then you're on this ride and you're not getting off or you're 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 on this ride and you're in it you're in it to the end with me because that's what we've agreed upon as as a as a player and as a group um, and as a table so when we're when we understand those kind of sandbox versus that linear that amusement park method we can start kind of controlling and deciding where do we want to land and so i want to land in that sense of freedom and that sense of control at the same time or understanding when is appropriate for which and then that led me to understanding what does a um, what does what does a you know, sorry it essentially leads me to, un to try to ask the question well if I if I have a sense of freedom and I have a sense of control like who who controls what and who's free to do what right and that kind of put me into the question of like what is in the GM's control and what is within the player's control and if you check out the discussion thread um, I have the thinky sheet that I kind of took my notes on and so I want to go through sections of like what is in the GM's control first and then what is in the player's control because for me as a GM, as I direct my games, I have to really own what is in my control and I have to ensure that the players have ownership of what's in their control. And we need to have that kind of delineation between the two so we can work together and achieve this kind of overall arcing goal of having a concise, direct game. So looking at the thinky sheet, I wanna talk through the, each one. And the first one is essentially, as a GM, the GM is in control of the plot, the plot of the session, or the plot of the campaign, or the plot of the, whatever you're, you're doing. The GM controls that. And now, plot, in my understanding, and how I've kind of come to learn it, is essentially the sequence of events, or the structure of the game. So if we come back to, like, the rig riot, I knew that the structure of the game was going to be, we're going to have a moment at the garage, we're going to have a moment uh, sneaking into the biker bar, we're going to have a moment um, like in a car chase from the bikers, and then we're going to have a moment where the rig is on fire and they have a choice to do that. So those are my my plot points. I, I knew that that's what was going to happen in the, se in the session. Right? I controlled that. And as the gym, like you can do that with any game. Here's this, this, and this. It's, it's it's kind of why we set up encounters. Each encounter is a plot point that you're hoping to guide your players through as they play the game. Then from there, as a gym, what's in my what I'm responsible for is to aim the players in a direction. This can kind of happen before the session even starts, where you kind of present. Hey, this is what we're doing. This is the the idea of the game. This is the, the the premise. Here's the direction that we're going in. Who's on board? Well, as soon as someone says I'm in, they're essentially agreeing to that premise. They're agreeing to that direction, and that's that's part of that kind of social contract that we're having. Is you say you want to play this game that I'm presenting? Well, great. You're on board. We're trying to really avoid, you know, having just kind of this free form idea that. 
oh, a, pl a player, you know, players or GMs are just kind of going wherever we want. It's like, no, this is the session. This is the idea. You, you're on board. We're on board. We're going to aim you in that direction. How we get there is a part of the players, and I'll get to that in a second. But right now, as a GM, I'm aiming. My best, you know, ideas for aiming is is being very clear with what the objective is, being very clear with what the goal is, being very clear with with how they're, you know, not how, but like what they're supposed to do in the sense of like, you're trying to do this. I'm not saying how to do it, but this is what you're trying to do. And that comes up with also setting clear boundaries. As a GM, my responsibility is to set those clear boundaries. We are in this city, and that's and this is what we're doing. We're trying to, to in the case of the rig riot, we're trying to find this engine. Right? That's the boundary. But we're also in an encounter level, like you are at Chuck's garage. There's a space in the garage and there's a space out of the garage. Like that's that's your your space to play in. And I I'd be very clear with with that that helps players understand where they can go what they can play with and those constraints can breed creativity in the space whereas something more open can be a little bit ambiguous and now what could have taken up three you know what could have what could have been used for creative juices and actions that could be taken or ways to interact with the scene is being spent trying to reconcile with this ambiguity and so the less ambiguity I have, the more brain power my players have focus on what's at hand rather than churning up with what, what's not or what's possible. Uh, and then continuing on, it also is providing the problems. Like we're, we're setting those boundaries, we're aiming them in a direction, but we're also providing the problems that the players have to face, but not the solutions. So again, in Rig Riot, it was, oh, you guys have crashed to this rig and it's now on fire that's where I leave it. I provided you a problem. Players then get to decide how they get to solve that problem. And so whenever I'm developing uh, an encounter or a, or a game, it's understanding what the problem is so that players know what to do and they can start thinking about how to solve it. So at the beginning of the session, the end goal of the session is this problem needs to be solved. You need to rescue the Gerblin Prince, you need to stop the, you know, you need to find this engine, you need to kill the, the, the Witch of Arden, who, whatever, that's the problem, and then how we go about that session through the plot, players get to solve. You then have, once you've established the problems, you set the boundaries, you aim them in direction, you then have to have a reason to move them forward. This kind of ties into a question that um, S5 posed that I that I want to address, which was, what can you you as a GM do to help speed up or slow down play? For example, he said that he has three game three maps that he wants to get through a session, but his players get stuck on something in a map one, and takes up half the game time. Well, this is where as a GM you are responsible for driving the game forward. Like yes, we want to provide opportunities for players to do what they want, but the GM's responsibility is to push that forward, is to drive players in a direction so that things can happen and that we can succeed in, in overcoming this overall plot. If the GM 
isn't driving them forward you're relying on players to be that driving force and unfortunately because you have multiple people you end up having multiple ideas it becomes this classic herding cat mentality so as a gm that's kind of your responsibility is to to herd the cats to give them a reason to drive them forward um, and then push them to you know push them along in the scene but but then again this is where everything that we've talked about the plot the aim the, the boundaries and the provide problems and driving forward it, it, you're you're leaning very close to railroading right it it can come across that i've set your boundaries i've provided you with this problem that you need to solve i'm driving you forward in this way i'm aiming you in this direction like that sounds very close to railroading but the the saving grace of that is this key concept of realigning during transitions and this is kind of my thesis this is where where everything kind of comes together is the idea that gms are responsible and control how players and the game realigns during a transition in the game so let me let, let me like walk you through what i think of as a transition okay so a transition is any moment in a game where like the scene changes or or like the natural flow of the game like goes in a different direction so like for me it's always the start and end of uh, of a scene is like the the best transition points in a game and you can almost think of it like a five paragraph essay i i don't know if anybody really did those at school i i was very <laughs> proficient at writing five paragraph essays because they had a structure that really made sense to me and essentially a five paragraph paragraph essay all you have to do is write five paragraphs about a topic and what you do is you have an intro paragraph you have you know three kind of body paragraphs and then you have a conclusion and then additionally what you do is at the very beginning of of a paragraph like at the very beginning of the intro you have the setup sentence which sets up what you're going to be talking about you then have a few filling uh, sentences where you talk about what you're talking about. And then you have a, you finish every paragraph with a transition sentence where you write a sentence that leads you into the next sentence, I mean, into the next paragraph. And then the following paragraph has a, has a transition sentence where it kind of picks up where you, where you left off in the previous paragraph. And that sets up the next converse, the next uh, topic. So like in the case of I want to write a pair uh, an essay about cheese, let's say my intro is, hey, I really enjoy sharp cheddar. It's more enjoyable than mild cheddar. I think the aging process works great. And you know what's really interesting about that is as you age cheese, the flavor gets better, right? So I'm. I've now had a transition where I'm now talking about the aging process and it says, and then my first sentence of the next paragraph is, the aging process has been, you know, has been, has been a, 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 like a, a skill that's been centuries old. And so I've now picked up aging process, makes it better, I transition in this and I start talking about the aging process of cheese into what, you know, this is this, I have a transition to the next paragraph to the next paragraph, all the way to the conclusion, and it goes from there. So, <laughs> um, 
it, it works really well for games as well. If yeah, I'm I'm seeing that you know the, the five paragraph essay may be a little foreign. I don't know if it's just something that I did in school, but let's translate that into a game, for example. So in a game session, just like a five room dungeon, you have the setup, which is the first the first thing that people know. This the premise. That's that's within the players. The I mean the GM's control. So I get to say what the first sentence is, what the first line of this this story that we're telling, this game that we're playing, and say, this is what we're going to be doing today. All right, this is where you start. And then players get a few sentences or a few opportunities, a few rounds to do what they want. And then once they kind of do their thing, I, as a GM, I'm going to finish that intro with another sentence or another moment that transitions me into the next scene. Okay, so the rig riot. You guys as players start out in the city at Chuck's garage. You're talking with him and he's telling you about this engine that has been stolen last night. He's asking you for help. There's stuff to look around. There, there may be evidence in, this, in the scene, but what do you want to do? Okay, done. I've now introduced the, the, the intro. Players then get a few opportunities, a few rounds to do what they want. They can go look over here for tire tracks. They could go look to see if there's any, you know, evidence that maybe uh, one of the thieves dropped. Maybe they could talk with some local that they saw across the street that may have heard something in the night. That's all the players control. But after they do that, I get to decide how the scene transitions to the next scene, which was, um, hey, the mayor just showed up and he sh and he showed up and Chuck specifically said how he wants to keep this hush hush. So you guys got to get out. You guys got to get out of here or the, the, the mayor is going to get interested. So you guys, you guys need to transition over to where you're going. So, so based off what you've learned in the scene, you guys have figured out that from this, all the clues are pointing towards the, the dust devils, the, the biker game that's taken residence up in this, in Dimitri's bar over here on this side of town, right? So we got to get out of here. Boom, I've just transitioned out of the garage scene. And then I say, okay, you slowly make it over. You drive over, you find that you're outside of Dimitri's garage, uh, bar and you see that there's a couple guards. You see that they're standing out there. You hear the music going. You see that they can go around. And I've now introduced the next scene and I've transitioned from one to the next scene and then players get some opportunity to play and then I do the same thing I transition them out of that scene and into the next scene and that's my job as the, as the GM is let them have their freedom and then try to smoothly transition them from one to the next now coming back to the concept of realigning which is the which is the key the transitions and the realigning so I have a set I have my plot points that I planned out in advance I, I say this is going to happen and this is going to happen. This is the scene that we're going to play through. Well, players get to introduce all sorts of wrinkles during the game. And so during those transition moments, I as a GM am responsible to realign what's happening back towards whatever we're focusing on. And that can change. It doesn't have to be back to the original goal. It just has to be realigning. So if players come into the scene and they got they get off track. They they 
I say something and they, they latch onto an NPC and they, they, they kind of start going off in a different direction and say, hey, you know what, we're not, you know, we remember that we're not really interested in this in this engine anymore. You know, what we're actually interested in is we want to actually hunt down and while the mayor is here, we're going to go, we're going to go sneak into the mayor's house and we think he's the one that stole the, the engine and he's just playing, playing, a, uh, playing coy. And so while he's here at the engine, at the garage, we're going to sneak over to the mayor's house and we're going to do that. It's like, okay. But my opportunity as a GM is either to, is to kind of go, all right, players, like, from what you've seen in the scene, you can kind of assume that it is not the mayor who did this. Everything in the scene is actually pointing you towards this this direction, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Oh, that makes sense. And as a GM in the scene, I want to make sure that I'm being very clear with those clues so I, I'm guiding them along. Or, or I go, oh, yeah, no, that's actually a really cool idea. Let me let me take a second. I was not expecting you guys to go towards the mayor's house. I, I didn't necessarily plan for that. I'm going to take five seconds, five minutes. Let me think through what's going to happen. I might have to build a scene or two, but let me realign the game to, to what you're what you're driving towards. And okay, look, give me give me a second. And then you you sit there and you realign. And okay, now I've I've, I've realigned my plot to match what the story that the players are telling. And so you can kind of do that in two ways. You, you, you can, you, you, when you're realigning, you're either realigning the players, or you're realigning the plot. I personally really like to realign a little bit of the plot, in the sense that as players are doing things in the scene, I'm constantly thinking of, okay, what's my transition going to be to the next scene? How is this going to go go about? When when is it going to when is it going to happen? How am I going to kind of drive them towards that transition that will make sense? So, for example, coming back to the rig riot, we had this transition where we moved from the garage to the biker's bar. Well, moving from the biker's bar to the to the car chase, well, I was not expecting them to get into an arm wrestling competition with with the, with the bosses, you know, with the with the brutes of the of the gang. I was not expecting that. Totally awesome, right? I was not expecting them to kind of get to really tick them off in that way so what i ended up doing is like okay well we're going to slowly you know guide you back towards this and we're going to continually um transition from okay that everyone else who's in the garage is slowly stealing stealing the bike well we're going to have another couple of gang members kind of like on their way into the into the scene and then that's going to be the pressure to drive them to try to escape and, and kind of tick off the the gang in order to pr promote their chase All right so i'm gonna instead of them kind of like sneaking in and just you know, driving away it's like here they're gonna come in they're gonna come here they're gonna notice they're gonna raise the alarm and then you guys are gonna have to jump in the car and go versus versus hey you sneak in unaware you steal the car they rush out and like hey who stole our car and then after them it's like no i have to transition how I tell this plot forward in the scene all while they're kind of taking into account what the players are doing. So either way, whether you try to realign the players or whether you try to realign the plot, it's just super important that you try to do that during the transition of the games 
because if you try to tr realign mid scene or you try to realign like as players are doing things it can be kind of clunky it can also be really kind of you're, you're at odds with the players because they're in the middle of doing something you kind of let them finish doing what they're doing and you try to guide them towards the the natural transition of the scene because that's a it's a natural cutting point it's a natural place where you can pivot and move in a different direction it's also really key that it happens in um uh it happens in like in the in the game like between scenes but it also happens outside the game in the overarching between sessions you can pivot and realign because between sessions is a transition you're transitioning from one session to the next session so as a gm you can realign what the overarching plot is especially if you're planning one session at a time every end between every session you can realign what the plot is and what the next direction is based off what the players want <sighs> and that's what the gm's control of right the plot you aim you set the clear boundaries, you provide the problems, you drive them forward and you realign. That's what GMs control. Now, a lot of this also is dependent on what the players, and so I'm gonna jump over to what the players do and transition over into what they're in control of. And the first thing that they're in control of is the story, right? And for me, the story is the various factors of an event on, like the various factors on how events are told, AKA the narrative. GMs control the structure of the game, players control the narrative. Right? When you talk about your sessions, you don't say, oh yeah, we we encountered this scene and then this scene and this scene. You don't you don't list off the plot points that happened during the game. You tell the story of what happened. We we talked to this person, they told us this thing, and we were all thinking that, you know, maybe it was the mayor, but no, we, we thought it was the, the, the gang, and so we snuck over here and then this guy he came over here and you know, strung up the bikes with his wire and we snuck around the back and he got captured and had an arm wrestling, you know, like the story that's happening is what the players are controlling. And as a GM, I have no idea what the actual story of the game is going to be until we actually play. And that's when the players get to be involved and they get to control really what happens and what the narrative of the game is going to be because they're, they're making their choices, they're playing their characters, and they control the overarching story and how the game is gonna be told. And that's how you can end up playing the same module, the same adventure, but have a different story every single time because the players are in control of that, not the GM. Okay, but it does come back to that social contract where players have freedom to act within the scene. This is this is crucial for players to understand is that you have freedom to act within the scene that's been set. Right? This this kind of enables the GM to have this confined boundary that he's set up and players can play within that space. Because if they're always trying to push out of that space and GMs are always trying to wrangle them back in, or we're really just trying to like push the boundaries to the point of breaking like how can a gm actually operate when he's always tr when they're trying to wrangle back in and they're, they're they can't establish what the boundaries are like players if they act within the scene they, they they have that freedom and so i always want to let my players have all the freedom in the world to do whatever they want within the scene <laughs> and work with me during the transitions if there's something outside of the scene that they want to do 
This also then goes into engaging with the plot. Players are responsible to engage with the plot that the GM has set. Like, now it's not saying that you have to be a yes man and you have to go, yes, I'm going to follow everything that you say exactly and I'm not going to have any ideas and you're going to tell me exactly what to do. It's like, no, engage is different. Engaging with the plot is saying, oh, the GM has given me this room, this biker bar. That's what he set, the plot point that he's, he's set up. It's the boundaries that are clear. We're in this biker bar. There's some NPCs to play with. There's a garage over here. There's guards over here. They're having this, you know, this, this ruckus of a time. How am I going to engage? Well, I'm going to go talk to the, I'm going to go talk to the boss. I'm going to go challenge the brute to an arm wrestle. I'm going to cause a distraction. I'm going to sneak over here and try to pickpocket. All right, like I'm going to engage with what's happening because as a player, that's my job is I want to engage with what the GM has set up and then the GM gets to react to whatever I, whatever players do. And that's the game that we're playing. If a player doesn't engage with the plot, then what is the GM to do? Like you're kind of tying the GM's hands behind his back because it's like, I've set up this plot, but you're not engaging with it. So now I'm left kind of empty handed with whatever you're trying to do but I, I can't give you what you want because I don't have that right now in my hands it's just it just becomes a more difficult challenge for games to be played in that way so I highly recommend and just I expect players to engage with with the plot however they choose with it you know and it also comes up with because this the plot is a series of problems and a series of scenes players responsibilities are to solve those problems you are at the biker bar. You think the engine is here. Well, a problem is, is the is the engine here? Where is it? I don't know. Or how are you going to find it? Well, the GM knows, but the GM's not going to tell you, ideally. The, the players get to decide, how do I solve that problem? Do we sneak? Do we go in guns blazing? Do we try to talk our way through? Do we gather an army? Do we, you know, whatever. It's the player's prerogative and the player's responsibility to solve the problems and not look to the GM to be like, just tell me what to do, bud. It's like, if, if we're going to do that, like, what's the point? And so players constantly are trying to solve the problems of the game that the, and the GM is trying to drive, uh, provide. And we've, we've heard that advice over and over again. But it is the player's responsibility. And then the final thing that is really the player's responsibility is what's next. The players, I feel, are responsible for what is next in story especially if you're not if you're doing um like a long you're, you're doing a sequence like a campaign or a an arc or, or whatever or even even in a watch in, in a small sense like what is next so when this when the scene when the scene ends or the the uh the session ends the players are the ones that kind of get to decide what's next they get to drive the story and we get to kind of sit down and and as a as a group you guys get to, players get to tell me what are they interested in oh you know what like we found the engine we did this thing but now now we're really really interested in the mayor like we think he's kind of corrupt like I want, we want to go investigate him great as a gm i'm going to take that and i'm going to develop a plot that will play out next time or you know what like we're kind of done being in the city we want to go out into the wilderness and we want to do this thing right and so okay great as a gm i'm going to create a plot and respond to that we're going to do this over and over again and that's how you build this campaign that's how you do this one session at a time that's how you develop this ongoing story 
as players decide what's next, what the story they're going to tell, the GM provides the plot, and then the, 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 the players play through it and they develop this narrative as it goes through. But really, I think a lot of the times we expect our GMs to just develop the plot, story, all the reactions, the entire world, and the players are just kind of just, just, I'm going to sit here and I'm just going to enjoy this as a movie. It's like, no, that's, if we want to do that, we watch a movie. We're playing a, a tabletop RPG. Like, the GM does certain things, the players do certain things. We all engage in this and we get to have this experience together at the table because the GM's responsible for certain things and the players are responsible for certain things. And as a group, we can achieve something great if we're all doing what we're responsible for and we're all in this together. Cliche, but effective. So, overall, I think when you understand what the GM's control of, control of you as a GM can focus in on directing a game towards the desired outcomes because you control the plot, you drive them forward, you set your boundaries, and you realign during the session or during the transitions. And players, they understand what they're responsible for. They have the freedom to act, they control the story, and they engage, and they solve those problems. Like You can end up having this very direct, very clear game that can be concise enough to run in minimal amount of time. You, you can do this in two hours. I'm not saying it has to be two hours. You can do this over four hours. You can do this over three or seven. doesn't matter. But having this very, you know, very a very strong sense of who's controlling what and being very direct allows you to have games that can also be very direct without being heavy-handed. And be very have you can remain can you can maintain control of the game without being controlling and forcing players to do what you want because you have control of what you control of and they have control of what they control of. Hopefully that makes sense. It has worked wonders for me as I've developed and just been practicing over the last year. Alf Marches was a huge training ground for me to, to practice and see how this worked out. And I know this stuff works, at least for my style of gameplay. Not saying it's the right way or the only way, but if you've played in a game with me, you will know that my games are very direct. My sessions are very straightforward they they come across a little linear yes especially for my one shots but i never i hope that they never come across as as that sense of no freedom no 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 control no heavy handedness um, and i know it's because i'm focusing on these particular principles that i think end up being effective for the style of play that i'm after Oof. Well, um, so we've got, that's essentially kind of my thought process on it, but I wanna make sure that I still get to answer some of the questions and any other questions that kind of pop up. Appreciate the conversations kind of already happened a little bit in the chat. So if anybody else has thoughts, I'd love to hear them so we can keep that conversation going. Um, feel free to drop your, what you've been thinking about or what's been standing out to you as you've been listening to me ramble. But we've kind of talked about Andrew's question, which is how to help speed up or slow the games down. And that essentially was controlling the transitions of of the game and driving them forward in a certain way. If you want 
to get through a series of scenes, you have to be much more driven and have a much more pressing uh, driving force to push them forward, as well as you have to be very controlling of, of when a scene transitions. Like you can't leave that. That's not in the player's prerogative or the responsibility to when does a scene transition. You as a GM decide. If, they, if you only want players to be in a room for four rounds, you set a timer for four rounds and then this thing has happened. If you're going to stay in this room, you're going to face consequences. Not like punishing them, but you're going to add additional problems that they would then have to solve. Right? And so if you are okay with them spending a little bit more time on it, you have a much more uh, lax pressure and you can speed up and slow your games down by controlling the amount of pressure and drive, um, driving force that you're controlling, as well as having a very clear, when am I going to transition? When am I going to, or when am I not going to transition out of this, out of this scene? Okay. Then the other question was from Chris and he asked, when you are running a time constrained session, such as a two hour game before work or get days on work hours on weekday mornings, which I do often, how do you make room for your players to engage in RP interactions while still staying on task with enough rounds available for them to complete their quest's mission? Okay, so there's two parts to this. He's asking, how how do I make room for RP? Because a, a lot of my games don't have room for RP, and that's because I, I end up having a very strong driving pressure throughout. Um, but also providing enough rounds available for them to complete the, the quest mission. So like, how do I give them space to interact with NPCs in a scene where um, I, I, I only have two hours? Because I could say that this, this game is going to have 20 rounds. But overall, like, one round of RP could take up 30 minutes. And now I only have one an hour and a half to get through 19 other rounds, and that's just and it's just not going to fly. Um, so I think to kind of answer Chris's question is the first thing is one understand your time constraint. Understand like I have two hours, okay? So if you understand that you have a very solid time constraint, what you then need to un what you then need to learn is on average. How many rounds can you accomplish in that amount of time? Are you a GM that two hours equates to about four rounds of gameplay, which is awesome in, in a certain way, but also insane in another way? No, you know, but it's, yeah. So if you're a GM that takes two hours to complete four rounds, okay, understand that and then you can start planning from there. Or if you're a GM that's like, no, in two hours, I can get through 40 rounds. It's like, cool, that's cool in a certain way and insane in another way. Like, understand that. And that's your kind of, that's your 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 uh, your constraints and what you're playing with, okay? So if you understand that, then you can start thinking about, okay, well, if it takes me, I'm going to go back to, for me, it's about 20 rounds. I can get anywhere between 12 to 20 rounds in a session. I can start playing with my scenes and thinking about, okay, well, if I have five rooms in 20 rounds, and if I split that up evenly, that's four rounds per scene, right? And each 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 round essentially has to be a similar amount of time. So about, you know, five minutes or seven minutes or whatever it ends up being, okay? So I've got a 
maintain that pace. But if I want to open up, if I want to open up room for RP, I have to kind of buy time, or I have to buy out buy rounds for to give that. So okay, in the garage scene, I want to have some time for them to talk with an NPC and to interact with the mayor. So you know what? I'm gonna have. I'm still going to keep it to four rounds because I don't want this to go on forever. I'm going to have four rounds where they get to interact. But you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to elongate those rounds and I'm going to I'm going to plan for them to be about 12 minutes or 15 minutes per round. You know, that would still be that'd still be an hour. Holy cow. So maybe closer to like eight, you know, eight minutes per round. All right. So then now I've gotten, I've given myself a little bit more time per round of those opening scenes or that RP scene. Well, that also means I've got to take away time from other scenes. So in the, you know, the rig on fire scene, you know what? I'm not going to have, I'm not going to have four scenes. They're only going to have three scenes or maybe they're only going to have, or maybe I'm going to cut out this kind of middle, middle scene where, where they were sneaking into the into the bar. You know what? I'm, I'm just going to say they enter the bar. That's, I'm going to cut out the sneaking in. They just enter the bar and they're going to now... I'm going to cut that out. And so now instead of five rooms, I'm going to have four rooms. And so if you want to open up space for RP or if you want to still maintain that time constraint um, and still have rounds available for them to complete their mission, you have to balance how much time are you giving per round, how many rounds total that you have, and then you have to buy that time from other places if you have a very if you have a limited amount of time. If you have unlimited amount of time, you can do whatever you want. But if I have 2 hours to do something, I've got to buy minutes here from minutes I have I'm going to use later or if I need minutes at the end, I need to buy minutes and speed through something earlier on. That makes that makes sense. So, timers really help with this. Planning out your session works for this. How you your your timers um this also comes down to uh, Mirage put down the simplest timers, put things in line. The, the, more, the more time constraints you have, the more direct you have to be with your rolls. I know a lot of us like, I want to roll my D4 or I want to roll my D6 for how many rounds they get in this in the scene. It's like, that can be very swingy. You could have one round where all of a sudden you have no time at all, or you have six rounds, which is an eternity. So if you have a time constraint, you have to probably end up being much more direct with how much time you're giving and you just set timers, okay? I'm gonna give you three rounds to do this thing. I'm gonna give you two rounds to do this thing. I'm gonna give you four rounds to do this thing. I'm gonna give you six rounds to do this thing. And occasionally for like random timers, I'll, I'll roll those, but like for the pacing of the game, I set those if I have limited amount of time. Okay. Hopefully that also answers the question, but is there anyone else who has questions or comments? I'd love to hear from you guys in the audience what you guys have thought about this concept. Um, if you want, you can raise your hand. I can pull you up and we can chat for a second or you can drop your, your question into the discussion thread. Um, welcome to the stage, CSAN and IMD. So what are, what's, what are your, what are you thinking? Uh, hey, this is me. Oh. Go ahead, Sea Sand. Okay. Um, actually, you go first, because I sort of uh, lost my question a little bit. 
<laughs> oh, sorry. Um, well, this is Dee, and this is the first time I've um, been to a workshop, and I just wanted to say thank you so much. Um, I really appreciate uh, the insights here. Um, I have a degree in writing, and I'm also a gamer, so um, the way you outlined everything here really spoke to me a lot, and um, are you going to put this on um, YouTube for playback? So, one, super happy to have you. Welcome. That's so fun for you to tune in, so thank you for for joining. Um, for your question, uh, yes, this is going to be on playback. It won't be on YouTube. It will actually be on my blog. I have my previous workshops up just as a recording that you can tune into over there, and I'll have a link for that a little bit later today. Uh, that but, That's great. Yeah. Out of, out of curiosity, like from your background, like what what do you what are your thoughts about like this how you direct a game and how you like control this game through? Like what what are you what are you thinking? I thought it was really helpful that you outlined transitions and structure because those come pretty naturally to me, but I've noticed a lot of players in DMs don't have that. Um and even though like I have a I have a journalism degree and my secondary area of study was professional writing. Um, I've never had someone explain five paragraph essays. <laughs> so, so that not... you <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, no, so so yeah, you you you're not off by by saying that. That was a great way to present it. Um and uh yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm just glad so, I'm not so, crazy. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, you're not crazy. And um, so I found that very helpful. And uh, so those are my thoughts right now. I do have one question about the, the mechanics here. Sure. Um, I'm on mobile at the moment. Mm -hmm. um, are there visuals you can see on desktop? Or do I need to click something if there were... Um, visual presentations here? So I didn't drop anything here on the chat. What I did is within the Kiln channel, I have a directing a game discussion. I'll, t I'll ping you real quick. Um, okay. And then I dropped in, I dropped in just a, a thinky sheet. That's a term from uh, Hank Renfernell and Runehammer. Just a little okay. page note of my notes. Um, so I just have a little picture of what I was using as like my my uh, conversation uh, spark notes. Excellent. Thank you so much. I can see it now. <laughs> Perfect. Well, again, thank yep. you for, for sharing your thoughts and hope to have you tune in more on some future workshops. Definitely. Thank you so much. Yep. Hey, uh, CSAN, you read, you, did you find your question? I totally agree that like you're kind of getting at least touching on the the idea that rounds are a lot longer than one tends to think they are mm -hmm. uh, especially because like you know there are multiple players at the table and they each can do a thing in that round yeah definitely and it, it, it some players wax long in their descriptions or wax long in their thinking and especially if you are playing with with strangers you have no idea how long someone does takes their, their turns like 
if, once you get a repertoire, you get a better understanding of these players and how quick they go or how snappy they are or how, you know, how much time they need to process your their thinking. And so that all weighs into how you control the time and the flow of, of a game, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, yeah, I totally agree with that. And that's something that I've sort of, it's still in development is like, yes, a round is actually quite long. Um, there's like, even if I, my instinct tells me that like four rounds might not be enough time, it probably is. Yeah. Um, and so I do still try to avoid, like if, if my instinct tells me, hey, uh, maybe set this timer at four to not give them quite so much pressure. Mm -hmm. um, you know, maybe, maybe one would still be fine. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I can, from my experience, definitely like four can sometimes turn into an eternity. Like there's so much time in four rounds and even like, oh, they don't, they only have four rounds. Um, it, it still feels like you can do much. We actually had a really good experience with this um, Epic Sloth. We did the Garden of Acid last week and we got to a point where we were two scenes in and he's like, hold on a second. We've, we've spent a little bit more time in this room than we were expecting. Are you guys still okay with the amount of time that I've set for you guys to accomplish this game? And we're like, oh yeah, like, if we fail, we fail. If we don't, like, we're still going to get the camera. But he he asked the question, like, he had this, like, really good sense of mind to be like, okay, I've set a time. Are you guys comfortable with the amount of time that we've played or the, the amount of time left? Or do you feel like I've given you so little time that that you're you, you have there's no hope and we all unanimously like no we we feel we feel good like keep the pressure on and yeah so too little time and two million rounds like there's still a lot that can happen we did end up completing the mission in that time that it set so we don't yeah, have to and, be and, yeah totally agree uh let me let me throw my question in there okay. um and that is just like as far as directing games and kind of what you were talking about with, um, you know, kind of setting boundaries and objectives, um, and also introducing transitions and sort of realigning things. Um, do you have any like methods to avoid like giving too many pieces of information? Um, I do find sometimes that as like a player, I'm delivered more information than I can hold on to. Mm -hmm. For sure. I think in general, like one, the biggest, the biggest piece is, is not to hide things. Like be honest. We talked about this in a chat with me and Epic Sloth a while ago, like being that honest and being open. So like, this is your objective. I'm not going to try to like code it with this smoke and mirrors, like what you're actually trying to do. I'm going to tell you concisely, this is what you're trying to do. When you're presenting a problem, be very concise and very direct. This is the problem. But I think that is where you should stop as a GM. Like, here is the problem and be done. Like, don't don't then continue on and, and wax further into the other details and, and whatever. Like, here's the problem, here's here's your here's your your boundaries. It's your job as a player to solve them. Now that's to that's the, like the original starting point 
then in the scene if you notice that players are kind of like floundering a little bit or they're struggling like you can step in and be like hey you guys you know you're doing awesome like just want to let you know like you guys there's there's still this door over here that you haven't really looked at there's this computer that you haven't looked at um there's this person over here that you could talk to like just 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 let you know that the, those things are still in those rooms if you haven't if you haven't think about it you can you can um you can adapt and, and help your players along once you see that they need that help or you can say oh no they're they're doing fine just without it and, and you can stop giving that again i'm tooting epic sloth's horn because he does all of these things really well in the sense of like he'll he'll provide feedback to players as things happen but he won't ever pose solutions he never does that he never it's like he's always just don't forget this or hey as players you would know this and so don't take that into account but it's still up to us as players and for me i've tried to emulate that and say i'm going to give you my concise details first if that's enough power to you if if that's not enough i will give it to you when you ask or when you need it but not i'm not going to give you everything all at once because that does become a lot Hopefully that answers your question. <laughs> um, I just wanted to touch on uh, the the railroading thing a bit. Perfect. Um, so going going back to the uh, the mainframe episode on um, is it called railroading? I think it's. Oh. I think I can't remember what the title of the episode is now. I think it might be actually titled mm-hmm. railroading. Um, you know, Hankren made a really, I think made a really good distinction is that railroading does not mean your adventure has a linear path. Mm-hmm. Railroading is about removing player agency. Yeah. With artificial, you know, like artificial logic um, or, you know, overriding, you know, their dice rolls or just, you know, throwing. Uh, impossible barriers in front of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just wanted to, you know, like call that out. Um, I, I kind of feel like the, the the railroading means a lot of different things to in the hobby, depending on kind of the context. But I think for the way we play our games, it's always good to keep in mind that a big part of railroading is overriding players. Um, you know, for no for no good reason, um, yeah. just because you didn't plan for them to dig a tunnel under the entire city, and so you just flat out tell them no. Yeah. Um, you know, but I kind of think maybe linear, maybe more linear adventures are good. Absolutely. You know, I, I'm getting older. I don't have <laughs> a lot of time. Yeah. You know, I, I don't have time to play your you know Skyrim open world sandbox. So. Mm. Um, just those are my thoughts. I didn't really have any questions. Oh no, I think those are great thoughts, and I I think the way that you called it out is perfect. I mean, railroading really is. That's where I agree. It comes has a bad taste in your mouth because you've removed player agency. But linear stuff. I love linear games. Like a lot of mine are linear um, because it's. I try to start my players right at the beginning of that water slide. That ride. We're on it. We're going. It's it's gonna be done. <laughs> We're gonna get there. Um, and. I think for me, like what you said, like the example of you were not expecting them to dig a tunnel. Okay. Two things. One, 
that is a that is a transition in my mind. You have now transitioned into um into like we are now going to do this thing. That's a transition. Okay, take give me five minutes. I was not expecting this, and and we were going to uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna realign the plot to what you're doing, or I'm gonna say you guys like you sure you really want to dig this tunnel this way? It's like we can realign the players and we can come to agreement together as players. And I think that's that's really that's uh, that just opens up that opportunity to be a collaborative space rather than like you said just a flat out no you can't do that it's not what I planned it's not what I want yeah for sure I I think that that idea of transition and realignment is a really valuable thought technology like that should be in the GM section of the ICRPG core book. The idea that you can be open with your players and say, hey, I didn't plan for this, but I like it. Give Mm -hmm. me some time to reorganize things and and to figure some stuff out. Um, I I do think that there is this, um, uh, this like expectation that the GM is all knowing and, Mm -hmm. you know, is really the wizard behind the curtain and that every aspect of the world and every possibility is accounted for and i think like dropping that facade is really empowering like it gives you a lot of power and it it allows you to be more transparent and open with your players and it's weird i I think you know the culture doesn't feel it doesn't always feel like it wants that but when Mm -hmm. you do it it's like oh this this actually you know feels really nice so um I just like probably I like that somehow. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how how else like how how can we how can we put that out into our community a little bit more? The idea of transition and realignment. Um, I think it's really powerful. I think that's a really good thought, and it would take uh, off the top of my head. I don't have a, a fully blown answer on how to do that. Like I don't have a game plan, but I do think the more when we come to learn ideas and concepts and just these mental models of how we learn things, the more we talk about them, the more we share and express them through our own means, it, it one, ingrains the ideas and the concepts in our own mind and they come deep, become a deeper part of us and a deeper understanding, but it also shares that with others and it, eventually you're going to find people that it does resonate with and it's like, oh yeah, this, like, uh, like, like we're talking about the five paragraph essay, like, that analogy may not work for everybody, but for some, it totally makes sense and it totally clicks. And we talk about it and you find people that resonate with and it, it slowly becomes part of the community, part of who we are and how we understand this. Um, and so I, I would love I would love to, I'm honored to say, <laughs> for you to say that that would be part of the GM section, but I also, I do, I do find value in it and I hope others can learn from it. And it doesn't just stop here in this little workshop <laughs> or on my blog. Um, but I kind of like just continuing on a little bit with the thought process. You, you made me kind of just think through when I was developing this and kind of calling it directing a game, I obviously had like directing and which made me think of directors of movies and the way that we think about it can also be spun along like filmmaking. So like you have directors, which are the GMs and you have actors, which are the players. And like when a director puts an actor into a scene, it's like, here's your scene, here's the set, Here's what you can play with. Here's your actor, your co, your co-actors. Here's the scene that I want you to run. Well, 
you always hear stories about how directors like give them the the vision of the scene but then the actors always end up like introducing these new ideas or these new thoughts into it and then like the directors can have hey you know what like that i like that that's a really good spin on the character that's a really good spin on the scene why don't we do that why don't we try this how do we do this and we can end up with something better than if the gm just railroaded the actor or the director railroaded the, the, the scene into something else so a, a different mental model a different viewpoint to look through it i think is what kind of what came to mind as you were talking that's great okay all right well time is up it's time to start our day thank you everybody uh thank you for your comments and your uh your thoughts again please continue the discussion as you as you think about it as you chew on it throughout the day we'd love to hear more thoughts as you share um, what you're thinking. Um, I'm going to get this up on the, the blog later, so anybody who missed it, feel free to share it with them. But we will look forward to the next workshop, whatever that will be in the in the future. So thanks, everybody, and I hope you guys all have a good rest of your day.